Hello and welcome back to Beyond Survival, the new teacher podcast. My name is Jamie Tom. Over the next 15 minutes, what I'd like to explore with listeners is some top behaviour tips and some top behaviour traps. I'm going to base this in part on a training session I delivered at a wonderful school here in Edinburgh on Monday. And that that training session was about how to secure a really positive classroom and school ethos and environment. I'm also going to take some ideas from my book, which came out in February, which is called Talking to Teachers, which gives five key communication strands in how to develop and improve our classroom communication. So the first thing I'll do is start by just asking listeners to reflect a little bit on the concept of being a teacher fundamentally. And what I'd like you to think about, if you don't mind, is just think a little bit about an individual in a school setting who's had the most profoundly positive impact on you. And that might be a teacher, somebody who taught you in a school setting, or that might be someone you've worked with in a school setting. And at this point, it might be really helpful just to pause this and just to have that person in your mind and even jot down some of the things that person did that were particularly powerful and useful for you as an individual, things you remember about them. And once you've done that, once you've got that really positive image of that person in your head, I'd like you to flip the narrative a little bit. And I'd like you to think about somebody in a school setting, either somebody who taught you or you've worked with, who had more of a negative impact on you. And do exactly the same task. What was it about that person that made your experience of them a little bit more negative? And when I do this in a training capacity, usually what I get people to do is is talk about either the positive person or the negative person. And every single time, the room is really, really passionate. People talk a great length about either why this person was such a positive impact on them or alternatively why the person was a negative one. And then I ask a big question, and it's a question I think that is quite provocative. And the question is just, what is it like to be on the receiving end of you? And when it comes to our classroom cultures and creating a positive classroom culture, I think this question is a really, really big one. Because it is about the impact we have on the young people who grace our classroom walls every single day. And I think all teachers go in with the aspiration of being on that positive list, of having people articulate what a positive impact we've had on them. But obviously we know that's not always the case. And really it requires a great deal of self-awareness and reflection in considering how we can establish that positive impact on young people. And when it comes to managing behaviour, this for me is magnified. Because in the classroom context, 
behavior scenarios have the potential to sustain a positive classroom culture or to change the culture of a classroom into a place that becomes really negative and draining for both a teacher and for young people. So what I'll start with then is is discussing a couple of the traps, the behaviour traps that I think as teachers we fall into all the time. And for this book, Talking to Teenagers, I've got a huge amount of teenage feedback. So over a thousand teenagers filled in a survey for me and lots and lots of interviews I held with teenagers asking them about classroom practice. And behaviour obviously was a real part of that feedback. So what are some of the things that they identified as not being successful in managing behaviour or adding to that notion of creating a negative classroom culture? And I say this without any hint of judgement, partly because I know I've done every single one of these and probably continue to. But it's just something to share for us to be reflective about. The first is the rhetorical question. What are you doing? Now, the rhetorical question is ultimately completely and utterly meaningless. All it serves to do is to spike the adrenaline levels of young people in the room, to add to that sense of hostility and that reactive behavior that we sometimes get in a classroom context. And I've used another word there that, again, is a fairly common trap that we fall into as teachers in terms of managing behavior. And it's using that pronoun you with young people. And when we use that pronoun you, it's accusatory. It doesn't help in building any kind of positive interaction. And again, it just implies and feeds the potential for reactivity. Another one obviously is shouting. And shouting in itself can, again, cause the environment of a classroom to change. And what happens when we shout is that all learning stops and every young person is refocused in on us and whatever kind of conflict might be happening in a classroom scenario. And this isn't me saying that we never raise our voice as teachers. Not what I'm suggesting. But if it does happen, it has to be a point that is really, really appropriate controlled and for a particular impact and my evolution as a teacher I think really was at the start of my career in a particular environment I did more of shouting and by the time I'm working towards now in the classroom I will very 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 rarely shout I might raise my voice occasionally but shouting isn't something I do much of and then the last one there's about the physicality in how we manage behaviour in our classrooms. And I think young people are really susceptible to this. So if we're towering down over a young person, that again can cause hostility in a classroom context. So given that some of the traps, the rhetorical question, the use of the pronoun you, that really elevated reactions from us as teachers involving shouting, involving really not dealing with things in a quiet and calm way and using physicality, which can be intimidating, what are some of the behaviour essentials? The first behaviour essential for me is about knowing your audience. And I have a fascinating interview with Dr. John Coleman last season on this podcast. We talked about the teenage brain and talked about the way that young people 
respond to certain things that happen in the classroom. And I'd really, really highlight that as an episode that was really useful. And he told me three essential things that happen if we think about our teenage audiences in particular. The first is that we as wonderful, sensible, rational adults, we think with our prefrontal cortexes, the rational part of the brain, and we make sensible, well-informed decisions. Young people think with their amygdalas, which is the emotion-centered part of the brain, which means they're much more likely to think in emotions and behave in emotions. They're also going, very briefly, through a process called presynaptic pruning, which means that all the unused neurons in their brains are being pruned away, which again adds to what can sometimes seem to be irrational behaviour. And then finally, their brains are flooded. We probably know this, to be honest, but their brains are flooded with hormones like serotonin and dopamine, which explains why they seek reward-seeking behaviour and why in our classroom context, they are looking for peer approval at every single stage. Now, this isn't to excuse the behaviour of young people. It's merely to try and understand some of the things that are happening in their brains. So, given that, and I think all really, really good communicators have an attuned sense of their audience and think about their audience. And when it comes to managing behaviour in classrooms, we have to be conscious of our young people as an audience. So, what are some of the other essentials that help when it comes to managing behaviour? And I can't be clear enough on this in that the most important thing is to be really, really clear on the school policy and how your school manages and appropriate manages behaviour. And that means being really, really well versed in whatever the systems are. If there's a warning system, being versed in that warning system and using it with as much consistency and as much clarity and as much calm as possible. So being really well versed in that. Now, what else can you do to empower that in your own classroom context? One of the things to think about is the language ratio you use in your own classrooms. Now, there's been lots of brilliant research on this in, in psychology, positive psychology. Barbara Fredrickson's a positive psychology professor, and she talks about a five to one ratio. So for every one negative comment you might make in a classroom or corrective comment, you want to balance that with five really positive comments. And that might work by things like saying, um, Freddie, you're working really, really hard. I really love your focus. Sophie, thank you for raising your pen so quickly. That's brilliant. Uh, Jeremy, I really love how much attention you're giving me when I'm talking. So making sure that more of the environment is skewed towards that corrective and that positive behavior. And that's really shining a light on it. And it comes back to that point about peer norms that we're establishing in our classroom context. If we can talk up the positive, we're signaling to the rest of the class that what happens in my classroom context is students make positive decisions in how they manage their behavior. What else can you do? 
I really like the phrase, I've noticed. So I've noticed that you are not doing as much work as you did last lesson. And it's really dispassionate and it's really calm. And it's just signaling to that young person, you're aware that they are not trying as hard as they usually are in their lesson, in your lessons. And hopefully what will happen there is they'll start to correct that behavior and start to put positive responses in place. Or I've noticed, gentlemen, that you're having a conversation that isn't focused on the learning. Again, it's not going straight for them with some kind of rhetorical question. Why are you boys still talking? Keeping things nice and calm, nice and clear, and they're still really clear about your expectations of them moving forward. They need to correct that behavior. Another one that I really like is, is almost creating this culture of a surveillance state in your classroom. And that sounds a bit bizarre. But what I'm thinking with that is the way you use your physicality in a classroom and the way in which you can get every single pocket of a classroom under your gaze and under your attention so that there's no blind spots in your classroom. And you're looking around the room at all times and you're making sure you're not having your back to a class and you're making sure that when you're addressing a class from the front of the room, your eyes are covering all parts of that class. And I guess in terms of the corrective language you're using, it's trying to maintain that calm, that consistent and that clear communication with young people. It makes it sound a bit fairer on a classroom, but the moment they see they're getting some kind of emotional reaction from a teacher, the moment they see that sense of getting really, really angry or really frustrated, that skews the power dynamic for me in a classroom. So the more we can present that steely calm, that steely determination, that steely focus on this is how I do things in my classroom and this is how I'd like you to respond, the more likely that is to continue. And I think we all find a way in how to maintain that calm. For me, it was always a breathing thing that I would do at the front of you really quietly, just making sure I'm taking deep breaths, depersonalizing it, and using that to communicate as clearly as possible with them. So I hope some of that has been helpful. So really there was three parts there. Thinking about the kind of person we want young people to be present with in a classroom, the impact we want to have on them. Thinking of some of those behavior traps that we sometimes fall into as teachers that are reactive rather than proactive in managing behavior. And then hopefully giving you some phrases, some vocabulary, some physical things you can do in a classroom that help to manage the behavior. And if there's one key message, I guess it's also about not taking it personally, learning from the people around us, using support networks in school, watching people who are fantastic at managing behavior and seeing how they approach it in their classroom context. So thank you so much for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. As always, if this is helpful, please do pass it on. Thank you.